Welcome back to More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business, and you are in for a treat, a powerhouse of a guest. She's a type seven on the Enneagram, a financial advisor, and since beginning her career five years ago as an advisor, she's been one of the top 10 female financial advisors in the country. She spoke to top interns in the industry. She also spoke at the Northwestern Mutual Women's Summit, and she's a part of what is called the Million Dollar Round Table. This is an independent association whose members are the world's leading financial and life insurance professionals. So you guys are in for a treat. She's also a dear friend of mine. Without further ado, let's introduce you to Joy Dow. Joy Dow, we're so excited to have you on our podcast today. And we're just going to dive right into this. So tell us about your experience slash your relationship with the Enneagram. So I love the Enneagram. My experience came initially when everyone at my connect group at church was asking me about Enneagram and what number I was. And I felt really left out naturally. So of course I decided to take the Enneagram quiz and was really excited. I found out I'm a type seven, which makes a ton of sense. I'm entertaining and optimistic. So I loved that. And then, uh, coincidentally enough, uh, Keanu, a good friend of ours, the host of this podcast, started doing Enneagram coaching. And so I was really intrigued and did some coaching with him and just really found value in the ability to put like a finger on some traits that I was very aware of, but had never potentially verbalized. So that was, that's been kind of my experience up to this point. And now I just force random people to take it whenever I'm around <laughs> them. So it's fun. <laughs> Love that. As you get experience with it, it's almost hard not to see people or try and evaluate them, like totally. to figure out their Enneagram type. And you had mentioned, you said, I felt left out naturally. So definitely some type seven tendencies. And what I tell people is that typically they are aware of their tendencies, how they act, how they respond, how they right. think, but the Enneagram just gives them like a framework to better understand mm -hmm. themselves yeah. and to see that it's not like on accident. It's actually just a part of them. Totally. So what caught your attention to the Enneagram, you know, versus other personality tests that you've taken before? I think what I really liked about it is it's very dynamic. Right. So I think a lot of times the complaint with personality types is that it puts people in a box. Mm. And I think what I really enjoy about Enneagram is that you can emulate different numbers in different positions and, and strengths and weaknesses and stress. And I really like that it, it's kind of confusing, but not in the sense that it's dynamic, just like our personalities are. I'm not just a type seven. I'm a type one. I'm a six. I'm a eight. I'm all of these things, depending on you know where I'm truly at. So yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. No, for sure. Um, so when you when you kind of think about how it didn't put you in this box, like like what about that? You know, like give me a little bit more. Like what about that was like really so fulfilling for you? I guess. Yeah, I think that oftentimes we all, maybe it's just me, we all feel this way in the sense that, man, I wish I could be more like that person. Mm. And the idea of, you know, understanding your strengths and that they actually don't have those as strengths. Those are uniquely my strengths. And also that I can actually be similar to those people in some ways, uh, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. So I really liked that you kind of get a little bit of part of other people that actually exists inside of you that you might not have known 
um, like to what I had said, like that awareness of it, of that's not by accident. That's actually a part of who I am. So I thought that was cool. As a type seven, what were some of the traits that you admired in other people that just aren't natural or maybe weren't natural for you? <laughs> so I heard this uh, described about a baby the other day, kind of like a bull in the China shop, right? Or like Wreck-It Ralph, you know? Mm. And so I totally admire other people's uh, gracefulness, maybe perhaps calmness. I love my enthusiasm, but sometimes I wish I was potentially less enthusiastic about situations or emotions. So I, I definitely sometimes feel, man, I wish I was more soft and gentle and caring and uh, feely, but it's okay <laughs> that I'm not that person, right? So. Yes, I like I, that. Just, just hearing you say the word feely, like, <laughs> yeah, like this is what I know about you. It's just like, it's, it's the perfect, it's the perfect way of like, no, that's not joy. <laughs> and I wish people could have, I wish people could see you because even as you were describing that, it's like, I want that, but kind of at the same time, it's, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't want to deal with that. I want it, but not, not, not so much as a, as an eight wing seven, I definitely resonate with that. That was one of the greatest things that made me want to start to dig into. It was like, I, I know that I don't mean to hurt people, but why do people keep getting hurt? And what I wanted to do at first was rationalize that they were soft, that they needed to get over it. You know, that maybe they just couldn't keep up and, and there's kind of a middle ground there that the Enneagram helps us to, to understand. So kind of a, the other side then of, of that, that first question, what are some of the strengths now that you've come to really love about yourself and, and understand and leverage through the understanding? Yeah. So I would say the strengths that I love most about myself is my optimism and my ability to get over situations in a sometimes quick manner and kind of pull myself up. Um, I do leverage the strength of other people when I really need it, but I love the ability um, to just see the bright side of things. And so that my down moments are moments and not years and months and decades. Right. So I think that that's something I really enjoy about my personality enjoy. Yeah. yeah, no. And that's something that's been, been helpful that, that I've always admired is that, you know, rejection for you, Joy, is just like, it only lasts, but two seconds, you know, and then like, you're on to the next one. So I got to see some of the more of the familiar path of joy, like the, uh, uh the, the eventual breakdowns that the type sevens do go through. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, like more than anyone that that I've ever had interaction with, I've always admired your ability to just stick in the fight and stay focused. And that kind of leads to my next questions because as a business owner, you know how challenging it is to stay focused and driven and, and, and everything that comes with that. So, you know, what motivates you to, to stay in, in that entrepreneurial fight? Yeah. And I think it's, as I was writing this, I was kind of laughing to myself, mainly because I know we're always coached really big about vision. And I think part of me thinks that's a little bit cheesy, but part of me, as I was writing this, it is, it's not in the sense that I'm maybe not as attached to my vision statement as some would be. They believe that you should read it every day and that like your life depends on it. And I do think there's some truth in that for some people, but I know where my energy comes from. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it's more just a picture of life in the future. Yeah. And that drives me. I just work hard so that I can build a life of relaxation and 
peace <laughs> and lots of vacation. Let me tell you that. Lots of adventure, lots of fun. Well, I'm curious because why not then draft your vision statement in a way that energizes you? Why is your vision statement not energizing? It does. It, I actually read it last night because I was, I was feeling a little stressed and I came back to my vision statement and it does, it gets me super excited. It actually does ground me, but it is long. So my quick personality gets like, if it's, if it's not quick enough, sometimes I need to move on. So <laughs> I can't read it every week or every day, but you know, I read it probably at least once a month and it does ground me when I need yeah. it. I, I, I feel it. that same way with, with like vision statement and vision planning. And I had always been in the same mindset that, wow, like this is just, okay, this is energizing, but I know that I'm not wired in that way. So I had picked up right. some training in figuring out how to create a vision statement that's impactful and yet measurable. And so it's basically, I will accomplish blank by blank because blank, right? I will accomplish this by then because that. And so for me, that really helped me with like my vision statement, because when you said that, like, yeah, vision statement's not really energizing for me. I asked about it because I, I felt that way too. So, you know, my vision statement is simply that. And so for people that are listening, Hey, if you're not energized by your vision statement, chop that up and it's okay to change the dates of this vision because it's all building towards that ultimate, probably one to two pages that you have, right. That I'll accomplish this, this by this, because this, and it's all adding up to that ultimate vision. So that way it is more energizing towards, towards that ultimate end goal. Totally. Yeah. And that's something I've considered doing because my, I have a vision. I don't want to even know if it's a statement. It's like a vision. I think it's three pages. Wow. So more of the statement things are, are motivating for me. Those affirmation statements. I want to find a print shop in town where I can type it out and then laminate it. So it doesn't get all crusty in my bathroom. <laughs> three pages. Joy, that is a manifesto. That is not a vision statement. <laughs> It's my vision of my future. Work yeah, with my more, coach, Paul Stefan, and he'll put yeah. you on three-page visions at a minimum. <laughs> yeah, it's more of a vision, not really a vision statement. It's not a vision statement. It's a vision. Got it, yeah. Into ten, it's 10 years in the future. So a lot has happened, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to walk through. This is one of my favorite topics to always go through, is, as we always bring lots of lots of our listeners are, are people of faith, and knowing that you are a woman of faith, and we kind of, had a little bit of a of our own faith journey together and kind of coming yeah. back to Christ and going back to church and all that stuff. But what role does that play in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a huge role. I think what's awesome about it is that, you know, the people that are around me know that that's a huge part of my life. <clears throat> and so when I do have moments of unhappiness and I'm scrambling because I'm not used to it, um, <laughs> I think it really just creates redirection, right? And I really appreciate that about like coaches and mentors and people that know me directing me, have you talked to God about this? And what is God saying to you um, versus what are your thoughts saying to you? I think so it really provides for me like redirection and foundation of like a starting point to then jump into something next. I also wrote, I wrote down a few words when I was thinking about this, you know, just hope, strength above my own and then humbleness and kind of a place to call home when everything else seems wrong or lost or disoriented. Um, I think it just provides something you know, bigger than ourselves 
which is what everyone's looking for. So I think yeah. that's, you know, so important. Yeah. Something that everyone's looking for, I think is a statement that isn't harped on enough. Um, yeah. You know, when we turn to the success in the world, what the business can give us, we turn to alcohol, drugs, partying, stuff like that. All we're doing is we're looking for something greater and we're not finding it. So we find ourselves into something deeper. And I want to bring Keanu into this thought process because you had mentioned, instead of getting in my own head and my own thinking, that, that makes me think about the triads. Uh, and, and in the sevens, uh, they're, they're, they're in the, the, it's the head, right? Is there, right? Yes. It's not the gut. It's not the heart. It's their head. So Keanu, can you elaborate a little bit more on that from the seven perspective? Yeah. So, so triads are three groups of threes um, where the types are grouped into, it's called the center of intelligence triad. So they have a common emotional imbalance and then they're driven in the same way as far as their processing. So a five, a six, and a seven are driven by their thoughts and their anxiety and being in their head. And so sevens don't like to look inside or have to like really face what's inside. So they'll look to more external sources, which again, can be leveraged as a strength in the way you described it is leveraging it as a strength by saying, you know, I turn to God, I turn to my mentors, my coaches to really process this inner world that can be scattered or confusing or just kind of chaos. So yeah, that's, it really, that's a great catch Lamar bringing the, bringing up the triads and introducing that in this Hey, you got me going through the curriculum. I'm over here just yes. trying to apply it as we go. So Mar <laughs> is getting certified to be a true strategy Enneagram coach. So he's, look at him go. Joel, aren't you proud? <laughs> I am. Um, so um, in, your, in your life, in business, personal, professional, what are some habits that you've incorporated? So kind of going back to exactly what Keanu has, what was just mentioning, excuse me, was the coaching and the mentorship. So I think as you say that I'm in my head a lot, I think I, I pretty much process through other people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like I don't know what I'm feeling until somebody tells me what I'm feeling. And then I'm like, aha, that is it. You're totally right. That's exactly what I need to do. I'm kind of like one of those little tops. You like reel them up and then you let them go. So I just need somebody to reel me back up and then let me go and I'm good to go. So I think coaching and mentorship has been huge for me. I know that all of my personal growth and habits have come from the direction of other people that I really admire. So I think kind of humbling myself from my teenage days of thinking I knew everything to more so I don't know anything. And then um, becoming an early riser, people ask me like, how do you get up at 4.30 in the morning? And I remember when we first started going to the gym that early and you'd come knocking my door, Joy, wake up. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> I literally would hear you like groaning in your bed. <laughs> you'd be like- so uh, I think, you know, it's not, it's never easy. In fact, I've taken it to the new level of getting a sleep lamp, which has a light that starts to turn on early in the morning because it's still not easy, <laughs> but I love doing that. And then I think the last thing is just one of the uh, habits of highly effective people is just putting first things first, which is interesting that um, being a type seven, that makes me aware of my need to do that because I will easily pick the path of least resistance that's more fun mm-hmm. versus what I need to focus on. So I always try to do the crappiest thing first so that I don't have the guilt later of not having done it, which doesn't happen every time, but I try really hard. <laughs> which is, is such a, a powerful discipline for, uh, 
for any person, but especially for a type seven to have that awareness of I'm going to pick the most fun path of least resistance that I'm going to enjoy instead of doing the thing that I know I need to do. So that is like an eight being empathetic and warm. Like that is not natural. So how did you, no. <laughs> I, I remember when I was in financial services when you Lamar and I, you know, we were within feet of each other. And now you're both on the other side of the country in San Diego. Very sad about that, but um, he's not salty. <laughs> I, 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 you know, yeah, I, I wish we, we, you know, we're working together here in the zoom room, but um, I remember you would have a timer. And when the timer went <laughs> off, you transitioned to the next task. And when the timer went off, you still have it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Where did that come from? And now that you know what you know about yourself, like given the Enneagram, like what kind of light does that shed on that habit that you had developed in doing that? Yeah, it's just knowing that I'm not, I can get distracted really easily and also kind of discombobulated in different tasks. So giving myself a time limit of doing things um, helps me to stay focused on what I need to focus on. It gives me that urgency of it needing to get done. Mm -hmm. um, the same thing goes with, you know, studying on the weekends. That is something I hate doing, <laughs> but I do it because I know um, that that's when I'm at my best. So just understanding um, when I'm at my best and how, what, motivates me to get things done. And I think time restrictions is one of them because our days can easily get away from us for sure. What happens if the timer goes off and you didn't complete that task or what have you? Yeah, it depends. I would say usually now I talk to myself and say, Joy, what are you doing? And then I <laughs> reset reset it. <laughs> I reset it for, you know, a, a reasonable, much shorter period of time. And then that is like my dead drop dead time to move on. Um, because at that point, if I haven't finished by then, I'm totally just being nitpicky. So I know that whatever I put together will maybe not be my best work, but it'll be good enough work that I can move on and, and be more productive in other areas that need my attention. As a type one, that literally makes my stomach churn <laughs> knowing that when the timer goes off and it's not exactly the way that I want it. Oh, but I get it. I get it. I understand it. What, where, where that comes from. Did it take you some trial and error? Like at first, like kind of thinking about how long this task was going to take you. And like, sometimes it was longer, sometimes it was shorter. Yeah. And I think what's changed in the way that I structure my time is knowing where to spend more time than rather than less. So depending on the type of prospect or the type of case that I'm building, knowing that an A plus prospect can take an hour of my time to prep and that's okay versus it because that's where I want to be spending my time and the people that I want to be working with versus, you know, potentially somebody that squeaked in the back door um, as a referral from a client that I really just want to help, but they're not in my ideal uh, space or marketplace, mm -hmm. that they don't deserve, you know, an hour of my time to prep the case, nor should they need it at this point in my business. So <laughs> I think just understanding that it's not about equal time spent, it's about distribution based on what I'm trying to build. And that's been a huge shift for me. I'd say probably in the past like six months is just shifting where and how I can spend my time, but it's not necessarily equal. Yeah. Share, share even more about that because especially being in the space, like a service-based industry in financial services or, you know, in coaching, 
you have to value every moment, right? Every yeah. minute you really have to put a, a price tag on that. So how have you gone about really getting into that mindset of, of valuing your time and remembering that constantly? Yeah, I think it all started when I was just trying to figure out what marketplaces I liked working with. And when you come out of a meeting with somebody who just gets it or who has the financial feasibility or values a device and the feeling you get leaving that meeting, uh, the type seven wants to be feeling energized. I want to be feeling good, right? And so it gets really draining taking meetings where you can barely keep your eyes open or you've heard that story a million times or they think they can do it themselves and you're banging your head against the wall thinking, gosh, what am I doing, right? Like, so because of my personality, I've been able to say, I want to do more of that, less of this. And so that's really helped me shift and refocus my brand and my, my focus and my practice to be working with more people who I enjoy working with, because then they're going to get my best. And that's honestly what, what all of my clients deserve is my best. (laughs) You know what I've noticed and this might hurt somebody's feelings out there, but Hey, your feelings, (laughs) yeah, you know, your feelings, I, I, you know, we'll deal with that later. I've noticed that I want to work with people that are, that are humble that are teachable, that are understanding, that are inclined towards growth and accomplishing goals. And it just so happens that people that um, are that have those character traits, that are those kind of people are also typically high net worth individuals. Right. So it's not saying that, oh, well, I, I only want to work with people that are high net worth. It just so happens that the kind of people that really value the kind of work that we do that say, hey, I know that I know nothing and I want to leverage yeah. experts they also happen to be high net worth individuals. So I think that for people that are listening that are business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, wantrepreneurs, solopreneurs, whatever it may be, hey, position yourself to be that kind of person, to be humble, to be teachable, to leverage other people's expertise, to work with a financial advisor, to work with a coach, right? Follow Financially yeah. Joyful on Instagram. There's a little hey, plug for your God. IG. <laughs> um, but, you know, because you attract you know, who you are, not who you want. So if you're the kind of person that's not teachable, that's not humble, that's not open to networking, that's not connecting, right? Doing all these things, you're going to attract a lot of people that also do not want to do business with you because you're closed off in that way. So I just continue to see that correlation. And so it's easy to say that, hey, these are the character traits I'm looking for. And it just so happens that people that embody these also make the kind of money that can afford the service that we provide. For sure. Yeah. One of the things that uh, you were, were talking about were um, not everyone deserves that time with you, which might sound kind of ruthless, and but it's but it's something that's so important. And I think hearing from both of you, Keanu as an eight, it's like you always want to put everyone's burdens on your back. And Joy as a seven, it's like always more, always more experience. Like it's never enough. Like tell me how that helps you guys because 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 sometimes it could sound like oh, what do you mean people don't deserve your time? Like everyone, like you know, give freely or whatever, but. Tell me more yeah. about from both of your perspectives. <clears throat> I, I mean, I guess I could say from experience <laughs> of I do care deeply, regardless of what number you are, I do care deeply about all of my clients, whether they're an A plus prospect or a C prospect or whatever. Um, I do care about all of them deeply. I just think the, the idea of being able to, the, the type of planning and the things that we can do for them is just different. And so knowing that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, where 
at the end of the day, some of it does come down to financially bottom line, but also just more, more or less where am I receiving growth and where am I helping people grow at my best um, capacity? So I think that's where that really stems from is just that ability to do that. Yeah, that's really good. That's and great. not being burned from unappreciating my, my skill set. Right, um, right. I just want to help people in the way that they want to be helped. And so being, having a higher skill set allows me to do that. Well, I think for you, Joy, um, it's also understanding where are your talents and gifts best spent, right? And yeah. we think about the parable of the talents. Sometimes when you're working with people that aren't going to multiply what you're giving them, that's almost as mm. good as just burying it. Right. And we know that as believers, we don't want to bury our talents. We want to multiply it. So finding yeah. the right ways to multiply it. I hear you saying that and what you're saying as well. And it really leads into the way that I think about it. I think about who is going to actually take this and multiply the impact, who is going to do the most with it. That's why I typically now I am, as I'm bringing on other coaches, I'm transitioning out of private coaching and I'm transitioning more primarily into business owners, leaders, uh, HR professionals, people that can from one meeting with me, take it and multiply it to 20, right. To, to really bring that impact because I believe that we have a purpose, right. And I truly very strongly believe in my purpose on this earth and what I'm called to do, given my gifts. And I need to best steward that. So I, I don't want to specifically say that because somebody can't afford our time that they're, you know, um, they're unworthy. It's more so just knowing that, all right, our, our skills, our time, our abilities, it has to be matched by the person that's, that's receiving that, right. They want, they need to want it more than you do, right. They need to want their financial plan uh, to be solid. They need to want their retirement, all their planning, the things that they want to do. They need to want it more than you. If you want it more than them, that's totally backwards, Yeah, which kind of leads me into explaining, or maybe just hearing from you, how did you get into financial services this whole time? We haven't dug into, you know, what <laughs> you do necessarily yet. Um, by accident, really. So I met a guy who was referred into the business at a Christmas party. Um, also was a good friend of Lamar and I at the time. And he said that he worked at Northwestern Mutual. And I said, what's Northwestern Mutual? And he said, you should apply. At the time I was finishing up my degree and I started um, part-time as an intern. So doing that on the side while finishing my degree in a totally at the time seemed um, disrelated field, which was teaching. And as I began to just continue in the career and seeing some success early on, I quickly realized I was still teaching, except for I was just teaching adults about uh, key financial principles versus you know children about English. So I decided to make the switch to financial planning when I finished school, which I will celebrate five years at Northwestern in April. So That's crazy. Great. Congratulations. There, so there was something in that, in that, in that teaching um, passion that you had that just mm -hmm. translated over and you've accomplished some really great things uh, in your field and in your profession. And while we have you, you're one of the most driven individuals I know, period, man, woman, or other. Young then you're definitely the most driven woman that I know. So tell me about that just from your perspective on, you know, how you, you tackle all of this. I know that you've been honored um, in many different ways in your profession and in your career, but tell me a little bit about that from your perspective and how you've just persevered in creating this own lane and leading other men and other women specifically. 
Yeah, I think for me, Northwestern's big on accolades, which don't get me wrong, I do like, especially free stuff. Um, <laughs> but I think for me, it's just to your point, you know, I feel like I have a strength and an ability that God has really blessed me with to be impactful and driven and um, have the ability to translate that into coaching and um you know, helping people plan. And so I think for me, it's just, I know that I'm capable of hitting those goals. And so I have to relentlessly pursue them until it's a reality, because I know that, you know, God's given me that ability and that, you know, when I see other people on stage, it kind of irks me a little bit inside because I know that I can do that and I should be up there. Um, not because I need the fame or the accolades or the recognition. In fact, I I don't really like that necessarily. Um, it makes me blush, but I more so just feel like I want to do it because I know that I can, and um, I should be doing everything that I I have my ability to do um, while I still have the drive and motivation and flexibility to do so. So that really motivates me. While we're on this topic about <clears throat> about what you're what you're doing, can you tell us a little more about you know who you're serving, who you like to work with, and and how you're helping them? Yeah. So I would say specifically at this point, my practice has really transitioned to being focused on, I would say, three main groups of people. The first would be physicians. Um, the second would be people in tech or biotech executive level. Um, and then lastly is just what I like to define as power couples, uh, which are just two amazing people um, that are crushing it in their respective fields. You know, one might be um, a high level accountant, the other might be um, an attorney or an amazing stay at home mom and a physician and just couples that are powerful and empowered to have growth in their lives and in their families and that are just driven towards a, a really good future. So that's how I define them. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I, and I think what the, all those, all those people that they have in common, they have really stressful jobs. Right. And I bet it's so fun to come in like with a, with a difficult topic like finance to come and talk with you, a type seven, you know, with all the energy and excitement that they're going to have around talking around their goals, like you're going to make this whole planning, you make this planning experience fun for them. So I think that's really cool. No big deal. I did create a post that said, make financial planning fun again. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Well, we took a test. I remember when we were in in financial services together and it was like your presentation style. And I think joy, you and I wasn't, you were an energizer Um, or an inspirer. Oh, I'm an energizer. Yeah. And I remember that you were an energizer. I was an inspirer. Lamar, do you remember what yours was? Oh man. It was, it was whoever Matt Heckman was. Um, An explainer. It was like, intellectual so it was something. had something to do with like the big brother figure whatever i had something to do probably with boring details um, <laughs> <laughs> no but i, I was thinking gonna about hate. it because i uh, i really was thinking about just like the seven and then the eight and then the one and how like all of these personality assessments they kind of say the same thing in different ways but mm-hmm. when i'm thinking about how you presented when we would do work together you know with with prospects and clients it would always be very energizing like you were there was a transference of the energy that you had for their plans. And they'd be like, I'm excited about it too. And all of a sudden you would take people that like walked in there, like their dog died um, because <laughs> they were going to talk about finance and they'd be leaving. Like I had a really good time. And I'm like, how does she, how does she do that? And I know for me, when I explained things, it would always be like very vision oriented. Like it'd be really inspirational. Right. 
So I'm yeah. just kind of seeing how those, how those paralleled, but you have a unique experience with the culture index. So I'm mm-hmm. coming for the culture index right now, Lamar, here it goes. Tell me about the differences and, you know, not to be biased one way or another, but what are the differences in the impact that you see between the different assessments and tools? You know, it's so funny that you say that because I know people that have a similar profile to me on the culture index, and it really is more so based on how you present yourself, I would say, in the workplace. It's perhaps maybe not intended to be that way, but I think it explains things in in silos a little bit, right? Your... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Your social traits, your autonomy, your cadence, your um, follow through. So those are things that I think are perhaps more important in knowing how to hire and fire um, advisors or, or field staff, stuff like that. Maybe a little bit harder to transfer on to a personality or a relationship or a marriage. Um, I think it's not, it's very, it's dry in nature um, and kind of cut and dry as it should be because they try to tell you, hey, this is how this person's going to show up at work and you need to be able to make a, a decision if you want to continue the process with them. So I think it's, yeah. it's very insightful. And when I had mine read, it, you know, it was really revealing in the sense of my traits, but not necessarily who I was at my core, yeah. if that makes sense. My inner longings, my inner desires, like those things weren't explicit. It spoke to a lot of the what and the Enneagram speaks to a lot of the why. Yeah, there you go. Boom. So in what way do you see the Enneagram being beneficial um, in the financial advisor world or in the financial services world? Yeah, I think it's just really good for self-awareness. I think when we had done a few of our coaching sessions, it wasn't that you were telling me anything I didn't know about myself, but it helped me. And what I've said to so many other people and why I really believe in it is because it helps you kind of put a finger on like titling or labeling that trait so that you can then use it as a strength or understand when you are in a, in a moment of weakness and you're just more aware of those instances and, and then hopefully true strategy will help you come up with some strategies to get yourself um, into, you know, different circumstances or headspaces or, you know, whatever that looks like for you. So I think that's, what's cool about it. It was funny because right before you mentioned true strategy, I was like, dang, I just want to cut that portion and just like post that somewhere. Cause that was really, that was really good. And that's exactly what it did for me. Um, so I want to get in a little bit of the fun, a little bit of fun stuff. Um, you moved from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Well, you were born in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which I'm sure no one knows about. (laughs) (laughs) And then to Albuquerque, which a few people know about to San Diego. So like you basically, you know, triple doubled or whatever your expenses, right. To come to San Diego, tell me about like. Yeah. (laughs) She's calculated it, right? I did the cost of living (laughs) index before I moved. All right. (laughs) So tell us about like, you know, that motivation and what this experience has been like, you know, go, go through that. You know, it's interesting as I was preparing for this, I was making some notes and I had another aha moment because I know that the Enneagram is on to bigger and better things. And that's actually something I've felt my whole life. Like when I was in high school, 
Cruces just felt too small. I needed to get out. And then I moved to Albuquerque and Albuquerque just felt too small. I felt restricted. So I moved to San Diego. And you know what I think is one of the most beautiful things about living here and why I will never leave is because I really do feel content. Like I'm so happy to be here. I look around on Saturdays and I'm at the beach or riding my bike. Well, it's not my bike because I rented it, but I just love I just love being here. I love doing life here. And it just, it makes me feel really whole. And I think that's an experience I've never had with somewhere I lived. And so the first time I visited here when I was 19, I came in January, which was a good thing because it sold me. It was like 70 degrees. I was running on the beach in shorts and a t-shirt and I hate the cold. So that was a huge factor. And everyone was like beautiful and the food's good. And there's still Mexican food, which is amazing. And so then I just decided that when I made enough money and I solidified myself, like as soon as I could, I would move out here and I did it. Great, great question, Lamar. That was, I don't know if you intentionally meant for it to be this impactful, but hearing from the perspective um, of a professional and of a seven about like, I, I always wanted more. And I think what you really wanted and just understanding some of the internal drivers or core motivations of a seven is more options. It wasn't necessarily yeah. more in the sense of, I want more city because if that's the case, then you're going to be on to Los Angeles and New York or wherever next. It's like, no, mm-hmm. it's not that it's just more in options and more in opportunity. And it doesn't get much bigger than San Diego as far as, you know, the personal and the professional aspect of what you can accomplish. So I think for people out there that are leading sevens, understand that they're going to thrive with options. They're going to thrive with having the ability and the opportunity to create, to build, to really lean into, you know, what they, what they aspire to be or what they aspire to accomplish. Or if you are a seven and you are in an unhealthy place or a insecure place, then remind yourself of the options that you do have, because it can become very dark and gloomy and, and tiresome and weary. And you forget, right. That, Oh, I do have options. I am not contained. I am not trapped. I am powerful. I can right. Exercise and explore some more of these um, abilities. So I loved hearing that. And of course, just love um, how you're maximizing that. And finally in that, that place of contentment, which speaks to the fulfillment um, or a desire of a type seven is that to be content, right. To be satisfied. I'm seeking that, that, that constant satisfaction. So I I love that. Loved hearing your story. Totally. And as you were saying that, I was like options. That was what I always complained about. I was like, there's not enough restaurants for me. Not enough things to do. I need options. (laughs) That's so great. Um, And it's funny because Keanu is always dogging on me about, you know, our tax rates and all in the cost of living and stuff like that. I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he didn't, uh, (laughs) that he didn't uh, go after you a little bit on, on how much more we're paying to live here than anywhere else. No, because I, I think Lamar, first of all, I really like to pick on you. And you make yourself an, an easy target. Like Joy knows as well. Lamar is such an easy target. He's a six foot, what, six oh. foot two? Just play Mexican train with him, you know? Six, yes, any game. Six foot two, 260 pound target. So it's easy to pick on him. But no, really, I, I really do. Um, all other things considered, I really do love San Diego. And of course, I, I, I want Lamar to move to North Carolina, you know, as we're building the business. But I also love that I have two of my best friends enjoying Lamar that give me a really good reason to visit San Diego anytime. So you can stay there, just have an extra room for me to go and stay, you know, whenever I want to come and visit you. 
You already know. But this has been great, by the way. Like, I'm I'm absolutely loving this. This is Are you energized? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think our <laughs> listeners are gonna are gonna enjoy this. So uh before we wrap up, what do you what do you want our, our listeners to learn uh from the Enneagram as it applies to business? Yeah, I think that A, it doesn't really define you as an individual, that it's super dynamic, but also that it can really, really help with your decision-making process, especially when you're hiring people or as you decide to maybe confront conflict or even plan a social engagement with your team is it really gives you a lens to view that person through. And I think that that can really empower them to really grow and thrive. And it really helps with the why behind the motivation and understanding. So it's funny that I had written that before I heard Keanu say that about Enneagram, but it's so true is it gives you the why this is important to them versus just doing something because you know that they like it. I think it empowers you to empower them in business. And um, I think that's really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, we can all have similar actions, but we're all doing those actions for different reasons. I love that. Mm-hmm. Finally, um, I I love hearing this from you because I know you're big on quotes and statements and scriptures and stuff like that. So uh, to end this off, uh, what is a verse or a quote that, uh, that has been a big inspiration in your life? There's a lot of scriptures, obviously, but a quote that really, that was the first one that came to mind. And just like an exam, you're always supposed to pick the first one, right? That comes to mind is insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I think for me, that's really helped drive me to quote level up um, is what the hip kids say is just knowing that what got you here won't get you to there. And so that you have to do something different and that change is a necessary process. So that always motivates me. You got me motivated. I'm fired up to go into my day hearing from you, Joy. Thank you so much for um, just just your investment into yourself and how you're multiplying that to others, right? It, to pour into ourselves for our own gain, it's 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 not only selfish, but it really is, it, it becomes draining after a time. Right. So I love how you poured into yourself and invested into yourself. And now that all of our listeners are just getting to be impacted by you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Joy, this has been such an inspiration and a pleasure. Um, It's great to just see God working in your life. I love your spirit. And there's no, it's not an accident why we're friends and why we'll continue to be friends forever. So Love you so much, Joy. Love you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Joy. This has been More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. If you want to engage with Joy further, you can find her on Instagram um, at Financially Joyful. We'll put her information in the description. If you want to engage with us, you can email us info at truestrategy.info and visit our website. Mark your calendars February 15th. February 15th, we are launching our very own Enneagram for Growth Assessment. And it will not only tell you your Enneagram type, but you'll also get a four-page PDF that is like a a self-paced coaching guide to really dig into your leadership style, your internal drivers or motivations, how you navigate conflict, how you navigate relationships. You're going to get a lot of value from that. We've been excited building that for months now. So we'll be launching that. Mark your calendars and visit our website. Thank you all. See you next week.